Hello, my friend. I am Sam Goldsmith, and this is Number Slay Type A for women who slay at some things and suck at others, like choosing peace over perfection and being kind to themselves about food. Today, we are talking all things mindfulness and food, as promised, following on from our chat last week with recovery coach and disordered eating coach Braylee Carney. As I mentioned last week, I wanted to share with you guys a book that was not only a number one on the New York bestsellers list and introduced to the world by none other than Oprah Winfrey. Um, It's a book that fundamentally changed how I personally looked at food and completely changed and transformed my relationship to diet and eating. Now, I don't know of a single woman who has lived their lives completely unaffected by a food issue of some description. In fact, I actually sat down to think about whether or not I could identify a woman either in my personal life or a a hero-worshipping woman of mine or um, even, you know, somebody in the media to see whether I could think of somebody that hadn't ever shared one of these um, issues around food or the way that they their relationship with food and their body image and I literally could not think of one single person so what became apparent to me was all of those things that I hear my clients talking about or that I've experienced myself are all stemming from somewhere inside where we are not able to see our own magnificence and instead of slide instead of being able to see that we slide into unworthiness and that shows up in a variety of different ways for for different people for some it's wanting to be thinner for others it's tighter it's more toned some people want to a smaller bum some people want to work out and have a bigger bum um and also there's some people that struggle to gain weight even and they are often finding themselves at the effect of thoughtless words or jokes um, coming from those of us who think oh we just love to have a have a problem gaining weight like that would be a great problem to have Um, and that just really minimizes that person's experience and it makes it seem like one type of body image issue is more significant than another which of course it is not (laughs) And as women, we can find tons of ways to make ourselves and also to make others uh, wrong about food. And this love-hate relationship that so many of us share with foods and our diets is a slippery slope to self-sabotage of epic proportions. Hmm, self-sabotage. What does she mean by that? I hear you muse. Well, in my personal experience, and this is through working on myself personally and also working with hundreds of women in my coaching practice and my kinesiology practice, this is exactly what I see unfolding. So women, myself included, allowing body image stuff to come to the surface and to be an excuse for us to to have an out really, to not fulfill on that dream that we've got inside our hearts. Because it sure is easier not to make a Facebook video for your tribe because you think that you look fat. It sure is easier not to have photos taken with your family or to have a photo shoot for your website 
because you ate badly and you look bloated or you've got spots all over your face. It's definitely easier to retreat to comfort, eating, to choosing your favorite chocolate bar, your favorite bag of chips than it is to kickstart a little side business or to put ourselves out there in some way or another with some passion project that we're wanting to get off the ground. And it's also easier for us to control every scrap of food that we put into our mouths than it is to control our wayward relationships or for us to be so busy exercising like a demon that we couldn't possibly take any more time away from our family or our work or our job to pursue any of those hidden passions or secret desires. Does any of this sound familiar to you guys? Where is it that this kind of thing is showing up for you? Well, for me, I am definitely type A all over this. Over the years, I've swung from full-blown sugar addiction to all kinds of stringent eating regimes and eating styles, um, inclusion things, exclusion things, you name it, I've done it. Seven-day coconut water fast followed by clean eating, so clean I think you could literally eat off my intestines. And yes, a lot of it was just part of my journey. It was my own murky waters to wade through in my personal and spiritual development. But a lot of it could have just been bypassed and a lot of it could have benefited from simply choosing the path of least resistance, that that practice that I hold myself to daily now. Actually, minutely and hourly sometimes, but yeah, daily. And through that, I could have just given my body, my mind and my spirit a little bit more love and certainly a lot more peace and, and spaciousness. But enough about me. What about you? Are you listening to this and already thinking of somewhere that your relationship with food could be a little lighter? I hope so, because I really, really hope that you'll buy this book and read it. So enter what I came to here to share with you today, the number one New York bestseller, Women, Food and God, An Unexpected Path to Almost Anything by Janine Roth. Published in 2009, this book is available at all your favorite online bookstores. Mine is bookdepository.com. I don't get any kickbacks from them, but I love that they will post you a book from anywhere in the world and it doesn't cost you anything in postage. Anyway, through, throughout this book, Janine shares her own story about struggling with diet and weight, and she shares about her journey of gaining and losing over a 1,000 pounds over many years of torturing herself um, in relation to her diet and her eating. She shares her journey of breaking free from that through mindful living and bringing mindful living to her dinner plate. So today I wanted to share with you just a couple, uh, act three, in fact, <laughs> of my favorite excerpts from that book. So let's go. Number one, she says, if you pay attention to when you are hungry, what your body wants, what you are eating, and when you've had enough, you end the obsession. And listen up, guys, because this is my favorite part. She says, because obsession and awareness cannot coexist. I love this one because it really brings home how powerful mindfulness is and just bringing attention to something um, and not just in relation to 
our diet, but anywhere in our lives, just bringing that um, attention to something and creating that space for it to be different. Putting space between our thoughts, our desires, our wants, our needs, and getting present to that tiny moment where if we honour that awareness, we get to choose again. Number two, Janine writes, meditation develops the capacity to question your mind. Without it, you are at the mercy of every thought, every desire, every wave of emotion. And this couldn't be more true. And I'm sure you are well aware or starting to become well aware of the parallels that she draws between what's going on inside us and what's showing up on our dinner plates. This book, she describes herself as a journey of deep self-discovery. And for us as the reader uh, or the participant, because there's a workbook that goes along with um, her, her work and various workshops, as the reader or the participant, it's a journey of deep self-discovery for us. Either recognising or bringing awareness to the fact that what's on our plates are usually... <clears throat> sorry guys, usually just a symptom and they're often a sign that's just pointing towards the next thing that's there for us to look at personally. And finally, number three. Now I love this one because it's one of those, th one of those ones that can just sting only because we know when we've been slapped by a deep truth when we hear it. So she says, no matter how developed you are in any other area of your life, no matter what you say you believe, no matter how sophisticated or enlightened you think you are, how you eat tells all. Whoa. We could spark a conversation about that paragraph alone for literally hours. I know that sugar addicts amongst us listening to the podcast today will automatically think of the beanpole celery loving nemesis that they love to hate and the waifs listening in will envision some voluptuous big boobed goddess that they admire and I also know that depending on where you are with your own journey there may be some among us that will think that we have our diets absolutely sorted that it, that we have them absolutely nailed they're organic they're paleo they're gluten-free, they're blessed by nuns, they're eaten upside down in the lotus position or some other load of shit that keeps us very separate from ourselves and from our brightest inner light. Because the truth is that we're all wrestling with our own limitations here. We're all, we've all felt the burden of not feeling good enough in one way or another and as women, the truth is that most of us are not going to get out unscathed by one of these toxic food relationships at some point in our lifetime. Oh, and now I know I said this was the last one, but there's one more thing I want to share with you. In the book, Women, Food and God, An Unexpected Path to Almost Anything, Janine borrows the wise words of Buddhist teacher Stephen Levine. And repeating his words here, she says, hell is wanting to be somewhere different from where you are. 
And that is where we will finish today, my type A soul sister, the fundamental cause of all our striving, the inability to accept imperfection and the need to be the best, the thief of our joy and most times the champion of our successes. Hell is wanting to be somewhere different from where you are. Thank you, my friend, for sharing this time together today. I look forward to being with you again next week. And as always, to hear the hot tips from the director's cut of this podcast, subscribe to my newsletter at www.samanthagoldsmith.com and receive that info for your ears only. Talk soon.